Welcome to the Sales Street Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. And for more information about our church, visit salesstreet.org. Good morning, Sales Street Baptist Church. Good morning, church. Good morning to any and all who are watching us online. Man, it is a marvelous day, and I am excited to be here. If you don't know me, my name is Tim uh, Robles, less of a robe. Don't church it up. Pretty simple. And uh, I've been honored And it's been a privilege to be here at Sale Street for many years, both as a member um, and on staff, uh, now as an elder, uh, but most importantly, as a brother in our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, And I'm excited anytime we get to gather together and sing and go into the Word. So I know at this time, you try to find your comfortable spot in the pew. I was like, man, worship was awesome. And then we start to blend in and say, how long is this, how long is this, this part going to take? Where is this part going to take us? What is it going to be? So we made it all the way to chapter 28 in Acts. When we started out this venture, we said, we're going to go through the book of the Bible. I've had that actually said to me many times in the church, in this church before, and we actually never completed a book of the Bible. Uh, but we are doing it now, and I love that. And I know as we've gone through this, sometimes it can get a little redundant. We're like talking about Paul constantly right now, about just his trials and his misfortune, if you would, and, and his uh, uh, conviction and, and him before the audience. And now we've, um, as we, Lucas took us through last week, his, his time on the, the vessel, and it's been on the GNC, and it's just been a rough ride, right? They're hanging on for their dear lives, and the Lord, the angel of the Lord comes down to Paul and says, you will make it to Rome. You're going to go before Caesar. You will go to Rome, and, and Paul's on this, this ship, and he's breaking bread. He's eating. There's two things in my, my life my wife will be very confident from. Um, if I don't know a lot of people in a place that I'm at, I'm not going to eat. There could be tons of food. Paul's looking at me like, that's just weird. But Paul knows because I don't eat meat off of a bone either. And he, he's, it's like his lifelong goal to get me to eat ribs. Um, so, but I, and I, look, I'll say in front of everybody, if my wife takes the meat off the rib, I'll eat it. Um, but other than that, I'm not eating it off the bone. I know. A lot of people are like, we're leaving this church. So, all right. I, and thank you for loving me and all my failures um, and all that I have. Um, Another thing is, is uh, whenever I have something big coming up, be it preaching or whatever it is, I'm not usually going to eat beforehand. You know, you just kind of like, I got to get through the, the nervousness of it or the, the anxiety of it or whatever it is to get those little butterflies going. You're not going to eat. Uh, being in the military before a mission, before we had a mission and flying on helicopters, I didn't eat before a mission. So when, when I read that Paul's sitting there breaking bread, with all of these people on this, this, this ship, that they're not, there's got to be a lot of anxiety, a lot of nerves, and they're breaking bread. It only has to be a God thing in my book. That's a God thing to be so relaxed, so at ease, to be like, let's, let's share a meal together. And so when we see this and, and the confidence and the faith that Paul has, because of the empowerment, that's the thing. Remember our vision right now, right? To train and empower disciple makers, in case you're not fully aware of what that's meaning, like lots of churches out there will say, we're going to make disciples. But remember, we said, we're going to move that finish line. We're going to make that infinity loop. 
Just because you came to church or you read some verses or you, you, you're, you're singing or you're serving, those are great things, but are we investing back? Is, 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 is Tim here that just started like many of you in those pews? I, I, I started sitting right there in that section where Emily and Christian are, my wife, came in 2006. And then there was like orange shag carpet and it, it was a different look, but we sat right there. I remember, I, I, I'm going to be honest, I, I, I was uh, kind of like looking at my wife like, so we're going to keep looking for, I had just moved here to Lake Charles, she had been here, I said, so we're going to kind of keep looking, right, like, like this is, we're not staying here, and she's, she's like, well, we'll, we'll see, and, and it, it, you don't realize when we walked out the door, I'm thinking we're going home, our Sunday school class was in a broken down, beat up building, Right around, you had to walk around the block to get to our Sunday school class. I'm like, what are we doing? She's like, we're going to Sunday school. I'm like, babe, really? She's like, yeah. But then when I got in that class and I got to sit down with the people of this church and saw how they opened their Bibles and went into the word and went into discussion, I'm like, oh, there is a, hold up. And all of a sudden the carpet faded away. The, the, the iron gates on the old beat up breezeway faded away. The me walking uh, to the Sunday school and not have a bunch of like fog machines and cool lights and neon stuff to like keep my entertainment level up went away and I was like oh we were in the word and I was like yeah God you got you got a place for me here there's something connecting me okay let's 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 see how this goes and then we've stayed the course as God has put me and my family here in this church and and been with these people and to to find comfort in and, and, and knowing what our vision is and where God is leading us to make disciples. Like Tim was going to the Sunday school class. Tim was serving in, in the church. But was Tim helping make new disciples or train new disciples? Was I investing back in so that someone else who sat right there would one day maybe find themselves up here? I like how Paul likes to put it to us all the time where we work, live, and play, Right? where we work and where we live and where we play. We're making disciples through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we don't want to take any away from that. So I got 10 verses that we're going to travel through here in chapter 28 of Acts, the first 10 verses. And we're going to be consumed with this is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that all these marvelous things are happening. And ladies and gentlemen, if you are not fully convinced, are convicted of the fact that this shipwreck affects you and I today, our faith is based and has been affected off of this shipwreck. This shipwreck set sail the course of your life before you were even born. That sends chills down my spine to know that we're not reading a, just a historical event. I'm reading an event that affected the life of me, my wife, and my children, and my children's children, and so forth. That what happened here has dictated what we're doing right now this morning. If that doesn't get you somehow engaged, I don't know what else will. Maybe Paul's ribs. So as we go in here and we see that the shipwreck, I'm always going to start here with a few verses prior. The soldier's plan was to kill, excuse me, was to kill the prisoners lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land. 
and the rest of the planks are on the pieces of the ship. And so it was that they all were brought safely to land. Now we start in 28, verse 1. After we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and it was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and it fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But then when they wait, but when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and they said that he was a god. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to a chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospi- uh, hospitable for three days. It happened that his father, the father of Publius, lay sick with fever and dysentery, and Paul visited him. And prayed and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and they were cured. They also honored us greatly. And when we were about to set sail, they put on board whatever we needed. Let's let's give thanks to God for this. Heavenly Father, we are humbled before you in adoration of who you are, what you are, every aspect of your character and being your pure existence in our life, the grace and the mercy through your son, Jesus Christ. We kneel before you in humility. We rise to our feet by the power of your spirit and by these words, by the words that you have protected and brought through generation after generation to reach us in our native tongue here this morning in this little small part of the world. We are blessed by them, Father. May we share them in our hearts and our minds and with our children and with our children's children. And may this word continue to to enrich and deeply inspire all future generations to come for the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, man, so Justin didn't do it. I said, Justin, why don't you put 25 minutes on the clock for me? I told that to Shelly, and she's like, oh, we're going to have some, uh, some bets of whether or not you can do that or not. So Justin must have decided he can't do it, so don't do it. So we come here, and we see this, and we see that all of these 276 men and, and, and sailors and prisoners have made it onto the island. What does it say? They find that these people, these native people, showed them unusual kindness. Unusual kindness. Because it had begun to do what? Rain and it was cold. Now, anybody who knows me, I deeply, deeply despise the cold. With a passion. I'm not supposed to say hate, but I'm going to say hate. I hate it. And being wet and cold? No. Not going to happen. So I want you to imagine yourself... You have been struggling to stay alive. 
You just survived this horrendous event. You make it to landfall. These native people are welcoming you and trying to to take care of you. Paul does what in verse 3? Look at it. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks to put on the fire. Paul is serving. Paul is working. Paul has not allowed his environment to dictate how he will serve in the name of the Lord. He will not make excuses. He will not have a self-pity party. But also, he won't be puffed up with pride. He could have easily sat on the beaches and looked over all these men and said, told you, I was right. God has honored me, therefore, he has honored you. So therefore, you must honor me. Make me a fire. Paul could have done that. He didn't. Paul could have had much pride, but he didn't. Paul could have just said, I need a break. Just give me a break, but he didn't. Paul could have said, it's beneath me to build a fire, for there are native barbarian people who need to hear the word of God, so I'm going to go preach to them. He didn't. He knew what needed to be done. Paul could have said, I'm tired of this. You have drugged me from courtroom to courtroom before magistrate after magistrate, governor after governor. You have tried to kill me time and time again. I almost died out there. I, I just, I'm fed up with you people. I'm going to make my own fire. I'm going to make my own little, my own little people group. And he didn't. He served those that he washed up on their shores and he served those who had him in chains and had bonded him under the authority of man. He served them. Their chains were gone. They were no longer bound and shackled. They were gone. He could have run. He could have done a multitude of things. But what did he do? He went and gathered firewood to make a fire. That's big. So I want you to look at something there. That is what I like to call the ministry of reaction. Our reactions matter. How we respond to something matters greatly. It has ripple effects for generations to come. My little soapbox will tell you, I think some of the biggest breakdown in the fiber of our family units in our church is social media reactions. We just got to get out there. We got, I got to respond to that. I got to say something to that. Our reaction as a church and as a people of God is to, to look and say, how do I serve there? How do I serve that? And when I sat in that pew and I thought to myself, whew, this place got a long way to go. Babe, we're going to go look at other churches, right? My mentality was the church serves me. The church gives to me. The church entertains me. The speaker should propel me. The speaker shall do the disciple making. The pastors, the elders, they go make the Christians. 
It's their responsibility that when I show up in this room, it's packed to the max because of the job they've done. And God humbled me and said, no, 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 no. You serve as I have served you. You give as I have given you. Tim, go get some firewood. Make a fire. Spiritually, we want to make fires in people's hearts. To do that, we got to be able to have the ministry of reaction and respond in a way that honors and pleases God. And a lot of times, our flesh, and this is coming, this may be a shock to many of you in this room, but for many years, I, I, I know it doesn't look that way, but I struggle with short man complex. I know I look pretty tall and stuff, you know, but what? I see you calling laughing at me. With short man complex, I had to compete with everybody. I had to beat everybody. Why? Because I doubted myself. Everybody didn't, they thought, oh, you know, didn't think much of the, the little guy coming in the room. I remember when in my military unit, I had to have the best gunnery scores, the best PT scores. Would beat them all. Because my identity suffered in who I thought I was until I could have that true fire and passion of who God had made me to be. Always competing, always trying to get what's next, always looking past where I was onto the next thing. Why? Because I was never happy where I was. And really and truly, I come to find out, not, not everybody was against me. Not everybody was, was pouncing on me. Not, it was because I projected on them my own dissatisfaction, my own poor reaction, my own hostility. So when I stand here this morning telling you, like making it seem like you have to do this, I stand here convicted before you as the worst of the worst of giving into my flesh, of giving in to my need to react in what I think is right, to respond in what I feel needs to be done instead of being humble and adoring God and letting God speak through my service. He gathered it up. Paul comes before and he begins. And now this viper comes out. Now, I'm not going to go much into the viper and to the snake. There's so many things we can grab onto this and, and talk about and make sermon after sermon after sermon of this. I, what I want us to look at is that even right here, right now, again, ministry of reaction. He's doing it. He's serving. Maybe okay, even at this point, Paul's thinking, like, look at me. I'm serving. Look at this fire I'm creating. And the snake comes out and boom. And the, the native people know what kind of snake this is. They know. They're not like, ooh, I wonder. They're like, we know that snake. That dude's dead. It's over. He's dead. He might, maybe he, 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 he escaped justice on the sea and didn't die out there, but ooh, the gods got him here. They got him. What does Paul do? Shrugs it off, throws it in the fire. As he look around and goes, you know what? If I wasn't doing this, this wouldn't happen to me. He doesn't look at God and say, you know what? I did this, I did this, I'm putting the fire out, and you're going to have a snake bite me? I remember standing outside of a, of a, of a, of a business after our, the, 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 the May 27th flood here in Lake Charles, and someone looked at me, and, and they, they looked right at me, and they said, I, I don't know what else we can handle. I, I don't know if we can take another one. I don't know what we would do. And I just looked back, and 
maybe sometimes I need to be a little bit more empathetic or sympathetic. I just said, what do you mean? No, you'll wake up the next day and, and breathe. You'll get up and you'll move and we'll fix what's broken. I mean, I, I mean, how many times can we do that, Tim? As many times as it takes. What do you mean? There's no option of like, well, let's just sit here and float away. No. We're going to respond. We're going to react. We're going to move. Well, what if this comes? So be it. We'll deal with it. What if this happens? Well, a snake jumps out of the fire and pins himself onto Paul. And he's like, shrugs it off, keeps moving. His reaction, they look at him, and now what happens? They now project the world. These native people now look at Paul. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature and slung it into the fire. He suffered no harm. So well, I want you to see a few things here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Going to my... I, I, I want to read this part. This is a, a quote from one of my favorite guys ever. Uh, John Piper, he says this. He said, you will waste your cancer if you do not believe it is designed for you by God. You will waste your cancer if you believe it is a curse and not a gift. You will waste your cancer if you seek comfort from your odds rather than from your God. You will waste your cancer if you let, let it drive you into uh, solitude instead of deepen your relationships. You will waste your cancer if you think that beating cancer means staying alive rather, rather than cherishing Christ. You will waste your cancer if you grieve as those who have no hope. You will waste your cancer if you fail to use it as a means of witnessing to the truth and the glory of Christ. So we're gonna see here that Paul doesn't have sympathy, and we're not doing this name it, claim it thing where Paul's like, I claim that this snake have no power. Man. What if the snake's poison would have done something to Paul? Is God not good anymore? Is there no justice? What if it had gone the other way? What if these people looked and what they said came true? Where is our hope? Where is our reaction? The world is really impacted and drawn to Jesus through the sight of Christians prospering. Listen to that. The world is really impacted and drawn to Jesus Christ through the signs of Christians prospering. No, it's through seeing believers suffer but not giving up. That the barbarians change their minds. That's crucial. That was when we did our Tuesday morning preaching team where the preaching team gets together and we go through these verses. That was the one thing that just, I loved it. Verse six, if you can put that up. They were waiting to see for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said, this, he must be a God. But look at that first part. They changed their minds. They changed their minds. I'm gonna read this statement from an author named uh, Chuck Smith. He says, it to me showed how foolish it is for us to seek the fickle adulation of the world. They may look at you in one moment as a murderer and the next as a God, or it can be the other way around. They can look at you as a God, as a hero, but then the next date as some stupid animal or goat. Some of our greatest sports heroes, when they go into a slump, find how fickle their audience and fans really are. They get up to bat 
And they're used to hearing the cheers and the whistles and the screaming of adoration. Let them go into a prolonged slump. And every time they step up, they hear the boos and the hisses of the crowd. How fickle is the glory of the world. The scripture exhorts us not to seek the glory of man, but the adoration and the approval of God. But let's really seek this glory. Let's really grab on to this glory. Why? Well, for multiple reasons, but for in these verses here, we want to train and empower all of you in this room to be disciple makers. So I want to leave you here with this. Watch your ministry of reaction. I'm not just saying watch your reaction. Your reaction is a ministry that has ripple effects that represent me, this church, and your brothers and sisters in Christ. So therefore, it's a ministry. Your reaction is a ministry. Do not chase after the adoration and the glory of this world. Hold on to the hope and the faith of Christ. Remain steadfast in his word. Sing his praises. And love to be loved by him. Greatest thing in Job is when Satan comes into this heavenly cosmological meeting that's taking place that I can't wait to get to heaven and be like, what was that? And God says to him, have you considered my servant Job? Now, all of us who have read Job are like, man, it's coming for Job. The Lord God Almighty, the creator of the universe, the Alpha, the Omega, and all that's in between, where time rests in him, said, he's my servant, and he knew him by his name. Take everything from him, give me that. Right? Can you believe that? Can you rest in that? That's hard to do in this flesh, I know. But that's why we gather every Sunday to be reminded, to be propelled forward, to be encouraged in the word, to be motivated about your personal ministries. You are all, as brothers and sisters in Christ, called to where you work, live, and play to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to make disciples who know and love Christ. And through the Holy Spirit, we don't let the calamities of the world or the sayings of the crowd dictate how we do things and how we respond to our Lord. So we see that in this time, they were brought to Publius. I could go on and on. <laughs> the guys laughed at me on Tuesday because I'm like, man... I remember having dysentery. Got it in the Middle East, and I can just tell you right now, I'm not going to go into much about it. It's, it's kind of personal. Aaron, you may know as a soldier, it's not fun. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Paul lays hands. He prays. We know we have been proven time and time again. Paul's not going to pray in his name. Paul's going to pray in the name of Christ. Paul's going to minister. Paul's going to evangelize. And look what happens to these people. They changed their minds. Now, in one section, yes, they changed their minds and thought he was a god. But by the end of it, what are they doing? They're taking what they have, and they're making sure these strangers have what they need. They're no longer concerned about their storehouses and warehouses and all of that. They're not worried about, do we have enough storage? Do we have enough for us? Do we have enough to carry us? Do we have what we need before we do this? I've loved that. When we started Food for Thought, Remember Mr. Wanna coming to us that they, the, the preliminary budget, what was it, Paul or Ken? I think like a million dollars. One million dollars. 
We started with a budget of zero. We said, let's just do it. And it's happened, but more schools are being, there hasn't been a time yet that we haven't been able to deliver a bag of food to a child. Not one time. I remember sitting in this room too many times deciding whether or not as a church we should do something, whether or not we had the means or the funds or the resources. I love now, as, in, as we empower and train disciple makers, if we know it's what God calls us to do and we don't have one ounce of resource or means to do it, we're just going to do it. And we're going to figure it and he's going to make a way. And every time it's happening, we should have that in our own life. So no, if, you're in, if you've just got over a shipwreck in your life and been washed ashore and you're tired, have a ministry of reaction, have faith in God. Know his adoration will cover you and the hope in his word and his name and his son's name, Jesus Christ, is gonna make marvelous things happen for you. If you are in your shipwreck right now and you're being tossed and turned and you're going chasing after the world, this and that, and you just happen to find yourself in this place this morning, not exactly knowing, I want to talk to you. I want to build a fire with you. I want to break bread with you. And I want to see the only thing I can possibly do is possibly change your mind. But to change your heart, that's going to be a God thing. And when you feel it, you'll know it. You'll absolutely know it. So as I do ask Justin and our wonderful praise team to come back up and Sing with us and praise the Lord. And we walk through. I ask that you look over these 10 verses and, and look how the people responded. Look how they gave to the needs of the strangers that had washed ashore onto their lands. Maybe you're in that position too where someone or something has washed upon your shore in life. These were murderers, prisoners, these were colonists. These were enemies to these people, and they washed upon their shore, and these people showed unusual kindness. It speaks to what Romans tells us, that no man is without excuse, that everybody knows and has when you peel down. Even these ungodly people knew about justice. Look at that. He couldn't escape. He might have escaped justice on the sea, but he's not. The snake got him. They understood justice. That means they understood right and wrong. And guess what? They had an expectation that a punishment would come. They understood punishment. What they didn't understand was grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. So we don't need to be a people trying to teach individuals justice and punishment. We need to be a people showing grace and mercy. If you want to be trained and empowered to be a disciple maker, let's start with grace and mercy. Remember your ministry of reaction. So many things we can go through. I want you to think of somebody in your life. I'm talking to my brothers and sisters right now. I want you to think of somebody in your life, somebody who's washed upon your shores of your existence. Could have been Recently, or you could have known this person for a while. And I want you to think of the organic ministry that Paul brought to us a few weeks ago, shoulder to shoulder. I want you to ask yourself, can I get shoulder to shoulder with this person and get real? Can I get real with this person? Can I come close to this person? You may think just as we're 
showing through hospitality nights. It's like, oh, no, no. Hospitality nights is crucial. If you have not signed up, you got to ask yourself why. Is it laziness, procrastination? Is it awkwardness? Is it nervousness? What are you hiding from? What are you running from? What are you still bitter about? What's holding you back from the cross of Christ? God has used people time and time again to show you his love. He will not change it in our generations. He's going to use people. So if something's keeping you from joining the fellowship, then that's what's keeping you from the cross. We want to work with you on that. We want to come shoulder to shoulder with you. And we want to help you through that. Because I'm going to need you to help me. I don't say that lightly, ladies and gentlemen. I mean it. I'm going to need your help. I'm going to fall. I'm going to fail. I can't raise my children without you. I can't make my better my community better without you. And I need the people of God to be a reminder that stirs me up of the hope I have in him on a daily basis. So maybe you find yourself stagnant in your faith. Let's wake it up today. Let's go get some firewood. It may be rainy. It may be cold in your life, but we can start a fire. You may be sitting at the fire where you're warm. You may need to get away from that and go help us get some wood. We need to always be known for our kindness. We need to be motivated. We need to be in love with people. So there's our training session this morning. Our empowerment is when you hit these doors. I love you drive up here and you hear Paul singing. I love that. I want you to leave out of here today and hear God singing to your heart. I want you to find somebody and start welcoming them into your shores of life. Or maybe you need to put your wreck your ship into their life and see what happens. A lot of metaphors, a lot of examples. There's a lot of doing that we need to do. We got a lot of room. A lot of room for people. Let's get them. Let's find them. Let's bring it to them. Not church hopping. We want lost souls coming to be found. We want shipwrecked lives being rebuilt. We want marriages salvaged and repaired. We want children to know their identity and have a love in them that will not falter because of the failures of their parents. We want schools to be encouraged and to educate minds and people of a community. We want leaders in government to lead on their knees before God. And we want the church to be the welfare system. We want the church to be the orphanages. We want the church to be the food pantries. We want the church to be the banks. We want the church to be the resource center for every person out there. And I'm looking at all of you here. You have a job and a position in this place. We need your help. We need your help. Paul gathered firewood and changed a people group. So Heavenly Father, we stay humble before you and only you. We ask for your hand upon us. We ask for your mercy and your grace to shine through us. I ask for any person in this room who does not know you 
feel you or know your power, that you drive them by the power of your Holy Spirit to their knees, or you make them known to us in your mighty way so they can know who you are and be loved by you. I ask for the name of Sale Street Baptist Church to fade away in the name of Jesus Christ to be the greatest symbol that's on this plot of land. I ask for every single brother and sister in Christ's identity to rest in him, to have hope in him. And I ask for happiness and joy. I ask for loud voices and song and praise. And I ask for fervent spirits to leave this place and go out and be exactly who they know they have to be in you. I want them to want to do it. I want them to want it. Forgive us of our sin. Lead us to your throne. And let the name of your son, Jesus Christ, be our everything. We pray this to you as our father. We do so in the power and sacrifice of your son, Jesus. And we are given the joy and the completion through your Holy Spirit. Amen.